Help me, Lord, to be faithful to your word. Lord, I pray that the ripple effect of this gathering over these two days would be simply astonishingly beyond what anybody can think. That the ripple effect for the nations, the ripple effect for this nation, the ripple effect for tens of thousands of churches and millions of families and millions of of orphans would be beyond anything we think. We're asking you, blow on this effort. We have done what we can do. Only you can do what needs to be done. So grant that you would come and make my little part in it now a significant part of that ripple effect. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. When God opens your eyes to see your own sin and its ugliness, and when he opens your eyes to see the holiness of God, and therefore when he opens your eyes to see the looming condemnation that hangs over you, And then when he opens your eyes to see Christ and his all-sufficiency in dying in your place to bear your sins and living a perfect life to provide your righteousness, and when with, with eyes wide open to your sin and the holiness of God and the horror of condemnation and the all-sufficiency of Jesus and the cross and the resurrection and the righteousness and the atonement, when he does all that and you are drawn to him and you receive him as Savior and Lord and friend and righteousness and sanctification and wisdom and redemption and treasure, from that moment on, everything you do, you do by faith in Jesus. From that moment of the twinkling of an eye, when by the work of the Holy Spirit, you are saved, that is, born again, eyes open, ears open. Christ is no longer foolishness or stumbling block, but is power and wisdom and Savior and Lord and friend and everything to you. From that moment on, everything you do, you do by faith. Never again, never again do you just do something. Never again do you do anything to get God on your side. He is totally, 100% on your side by grace alone, alone, through faith alone, on the basis of Christ's blood and righteousness alone, to the glory of God alone, and nothing, not one minute of your activity improves upon his being 100% on your side, which means that everything you do is done out of the deep, unshakable confidence, my God is for me, totally, and nothing I do is making that happen. That's the life of a believer. From the moment of conversion on, I am living by faith in Jesus Christ, who is my righteousness, who is my 
pardon, who is my friend, who is totally on my side, sovereign over my life, and everything I do is controlled by him, ruled by him, and working together for my good. And I rest in his promises that are blood-bought and therefore absolutely secure, and all my deeds, all my adopting, all my orphan care ministry, all my movement mobilization, all of it is by faith, by faith in this. It's rooted in Christ, rooted in cross, rooted in righteousness, rooted in sins forgiven, rooted in mercy, rooted in utterly unmerited grace, rooted in eternity and God's election of me before I ever existed. It is so rooted that everything I do now is from that strength, from that freedom, from that joy, from that security, and shines with Christ all over it. So the question tonight is, What does it look like to live by faith? What does it look like to adopt by faith? To build an orphanage or empty an orphanage by faith? To start a movement, an alliance by faith? What does it look like to live By faith. And if you have a Bible, I would invite you to reach for it and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. While you're turning, let me give you another verse. This is the verse that I, 1966, was calling my life verse. I don't think it is anymore, but I love it still. I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. faith. I live by faith. The life that I now live, I'm crucified. That happened at a point in my life. Never happens again. Never happened before. I died with Jesus at a point when I was united to Christ by faith alone. And now, the life that I live This new me, the old me having died, the the new believing me now lives by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So there's just a verse to put living by faith rooted in the Bible. Now, Hebrews 11 is all about telling stories of people who lived by faith, right? It's the great by faith this and by faith that chapter. And I'm going to read verses 29 to 38. And the reason I'm reading it is because of how shocking it is and how utterly realistic it is for the adoption and orphan care enterprise. And we need realism big time at the front end, the middle, and the back end of this unbelievably difficult affair. I I am going to make it feel really hard because if we try to sell this thing with smiley, simple, easy, 
it'll make your day. That's not the way to do it. We should do it just like we should die every day. Paul said, I die every day. I die every day. I'm not into finding the perfect life on this planet. I got a perfect life coming. Don't need it now. If you need it, you're in big trouble. You're not going to have it, and you will have one mega frustration all your life long. Just get used to it. Heaven's coming. Let it wait. One of the prosperity gospel problems is to try to bring too much heaven into this life. There's a lot of hell here, and we are meant to war. Let's read it. What's shocking is the shift in the middle of verse 35, and I'll point it out when we get there. Sounds so good up to verse 35. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith. Just keep hearing this word, by faith. These these people are living by faith. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. Verse 31. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women received back their dead by resurrection. Stop! Now, he doesn't stop, but if you don't stop and wake up at this point, you won't feel the force of this because there is not the slightest break in this sequence. So, by faith, all those miracles happened. Some were tortured, receiving, refusing to accept release so that they might rise to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats and destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world is not worthy. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. All of it by faith. So wake up, Christian. What does it mean to live by faith? That's the question, right? By faith to adopt a child. And by faith to walk through the disruption. Faith through the disruption. By trusting the blood-bought privileges and promises of God that are absolutely sure, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor power, nor things present, nor things to come, nor disruption, nor death, nor disease, nor alcohol, fetal alcohol syndrome, nor age, nor anything will break me free from my God. 
and my faith in this moment. I have five observations to make about this. Number one, through our faith, God can and does work miracles and acts of providence to bring us practical earthly help and deliverance in our resolves to adopt and care for orphans. That's a long sentence. Very simple. God works miracles for you when you start moving in this direction. God works miracles for you when you start adopting and and caring about orphan issues around the world. He worked miracles for you. Look at verses 29 to 35. Miracles. Dividing of the Red Sea, verse 29. Falling down to the walls of Jericho, verse 30. Shutting the mouths of lions, that's Daniel, verse 33. Quenching fire, that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, verse 34. Resurrection of the widow's son, there's a fatherless child that got raised from the dead. Miracles are happening through faith. They will. Lay hold on God for miracles in this cause. Not only miracles, but he also does works of providence. Now, a miracle is when you break the laws of nature, right? God can do that. He made them, he breaks them. A providence is where he doesn't break the law, he just uses them all and is in charge and makes things happen. For example, Rahab not perishing because she had heard the power of God and did what she needed to do. Verse 31, David conquering kingdoms. Well, he used his sword. That's how he did it. Elijah escaping the sword of Jezebel. He ran for his life. That's how he did it. Gideon being strengthened in weakness. Or putting foreign armies to flight. Those are not miracles. Those are providence. God's totally in charge at that moment, and he's using natural means, and he'll do that for you. He'll do some miracles for you, and he'll do some amazing providences for you. We were talking about him in the green room just a few minutes ago. You get involved, you cannot be involved very long in adoption and orphan care concerns without having miracles happen in your life. You cannot be involved very long long. And it's all, it says, by faith. Verse 29, by faith they passed through the sea. Verse 30, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down. Verse 31, by faith Rahab did not perish. Verse 33, by faith they conquered kingdoms. So God is moving and we're believing, we're trusting, and he's using trusting people. We are living by faith in blood-bought Promises and privileges. Oh, the privilege of walking with Jesus now. And the privilege of the promise, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Now, forever. How do people survive the troubles of life without promises like this? Number two. So the first one was, he works miracles and he works acts of providence for you in the adoption and orphan care enterprise. He will, he does. Number two, not always. (laughs) Sometimes by faith, God sustains his people through horrific suffering. And he ordains it. He could deliver them from it and he doesn't. So let's go back to verses 35 in the middle of the verse to verse 38. Having faith, genuine, authentic 
God-pleasing faith is no guarantee of comfort or security or ease or success in this life or this adoption or orphanage. No guarantee of success. That is crystal clear from this text. Notice, it is not, he does not say, when he gets to the middle of verse 35, and by unbelief, they were sawn in two. When they lost faith, things turned bad. That's not what it says. The by faith that governs these verses continues right on through. By faith, they conquered kingdoms. And by faith, they were tortured. And by faith, they experienced mockings and scourgings. Your child may mock you someday. This child you've poured your life into may mock you to your face. Will you have made a mistake? No. Will it be all your fault? No. Will it be some? Yes. Will you be able to know which is which? No. We live by faith in the Son of God who loved sinners. And that's the only way we survive. Isn't it? I don't know how you survive. The only way we survive is, I don't know. I don't know. God knows. God forgives. And all these... Verse 39, verse 39, and all these, that is all these suffering people, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive yet in this life what was promised. It couldn't be clearer. These suffering people do not have a God that is saying, if you just believe like those other people, like that widow who got her son resurrected from the dead, if you believe like that, I'd be pleased with you but I'm letting you suffer because I'm not pleased with you. That's exactly the opposite of what it says. These all having gained approval through their faith. My God is on my side. Totally. And it has nothing to do with my virtue. Totally to do with Christ's all-sufficiency and my attachment to him by faith alone. What would we do without the gospel? How would we adopt? How would we keep? How would we sustain? How would we keep coming back to the forgiveness table without the gospel? The contrast here between the positive of what God does through faith, and the painful of what God does through faith is most clearly seen between 34 and 37. Did you notice verse 34 says that by faith they escaped the edge of the sword. (laughs) By by faith, some of you are going to escape this pain. Some of you are going to escape this pain. Verse 37 says, near the end of the verse, They were put to death with the sword by faith. Escape by faith, die by faith. Sword misses, sword cleaves by faith. Same holiness, same meekness, 
Same patience, same kindness, same childlike, God, help me. I don't know what I'm doing. Please help me. Same one. And one gets escape and the other doesn't. Point number three. Having faith, therefore, is not the ultimate determining factor in whether you suffer in the cause of the fatherless or prosper with joy in the cause of the fatherless. God is. God is. I find that very comforting because if I had to add to the burdens of my life the teaching or the thought that my sufferings are most definitely owing to my lack of trusting Jesus, I could not bear it. I I love this passage of Scripture, as painful and horrible as it is. I love it. It is my life. So, at our church, and I hope at yours, we will not relate to each other that way. We will not look into the face of the suffering adoptive parent and say, if you had more faith, it wouldn't be this way. We won't say that. Absolutely will not say that. We will say, keep trusting God. Keep living by faith. You are forgiven. You are loved. You are accepted. God is 100% on your side and not against you. This is not an evidence of, of his being against you. Christ alone is the foundation of your life, not your success in parenting this child or these children. Trust him. He will get you through. That's the way we're going to talk to each other because this text says that by faith, the suffering are approved by God. Approved by God. God has his purposes in why one suffers and another doesn't, and we do not know what they are. We know some general truths about why God ordains suffering in our lives. Five or six I could name right off the bat. But we don't know why. Why us? Why us and not them? I mean, why? Why this long? Why this hard? We don't know the details. What we know is God is on my side because I trust Jesus. The gospel is our only hope as we walk through this. Number four, the common feature of the faith that escapes and the faith that doesn't escape, the common feature between those two faiths is the deep conviction, the confidence. God himself is better than what life can give and better than what death can take. God himself in Jesus Christ is better than any happy ending 
to this adoption story. He's better. Better now and better forever. Verse 35. By faith, women received back their dead by resurrection. You know, you remember that story in the Old Testament. The little, the little boy had died and he had no dad. She was a, a widow. And now she has a dead son, her only son. And the prophet comes and raises him from the dead. And the writer of Hebrews says, by faith that happened. By faith, women received back their dead by resurrection. And others were tortured, not accepting release in order that they might have a better resurrection. What is that? Well... It's better to be raised and never die again than to be raised and die again. Way better. In other words, they were in some kind of situation. They had some possibility of escape, maybe by denying Jesus. I don't know what's going on here. But they just didn't take it. They didn't take it. And why didn't they take it? Why didn't they escape? Why don't you escape? You can escape this situation. And the answer was, I'm going to be raised from the dead anyway. And that's way better than anything here. I mean, ultimate things really matter. (laughs) Ultimate things really have a practical effect on what you endure in this life. What you're willing to endure. You know, Jesus said, you know, when you give a banquet, don't invite the people that can pay you back. Invite the people who can't pay you back. And do you remember what he said? Why? Why? you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. (laughs) Who you have over for Thanksgiving dinner is decided by your doctrine of the resurrection? Really? 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 I want you to believe these things. I want you to believe in God. Believe in heaven. Believe in the resurrection. Believe in the cross. These are massive realities that shape the nitty-gritty of who you have over and who you adopt and where you give your money and a hundred other things. So the, the common denominator between the faith that suffers and the faith that soars with joy and has no suffering, at least for a season, the common denominator is both of these people are totally persuaded God is better than what I lose here and gain here. God is better. There's the common denominator. God is my treasure. Jesus is my life. And therefore, nothing changes that. A successful adoption or a painful adoption doesn't change that. My Jesus is always with me. He's better. He's better than a successful adoption. Finally, number five, and we'll be done. Those who love God more than life, more than successful adoptions and orphan ministries or anything else, those who love God more than life and suffer willingly in the service of the fatherless are God's great gift to the world. I did not make that up. I'll point you to the text And we'll be done because I want you to be that. I want you to leave here uh, tonight feeling 
Okay, this is not going to be all roses, as you already know, of course. But I want my life to be a gift to the world. So look at verse 37, second half of the verse. They went about in sheepskins, in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated. Men or people of whom the world was not worthy. What does that mean? People that were, if you look at them, they're suffering so much that you might consider them the scum of the world. Things aren't going well for them, so they, they're the, the lowlifes of the world. That's not the way this text says it. This text says they are ill-treated, they are afflicted, they are destitute, they are wearing goat skins and sheep skins and living in caves, people of whom the world was not worthy. So here's my paraphrase of that. That means they were a gift to the world and the world didn't deserve it. Isn't that what it means? The I'll read it again. Men of whom the world was not worthy. They were a gift to the world, and the world doesn't deserve them. Many things in life are utterly the opposite of what they seem. And here is one of them. When the children of God, followers of Jesus justified by faith alone, are permitted to suffer in the path of love, in the path of orphan care, in the path of adoption. When they are permitted to suffer, God is giving you to the world as a gift. And they're not worthy. They don't deserve you. So here's one way for you to be a gift to the world. Love God more than life. Walk by faith in His Son, Jesus Christ, and pour out your life for the fatherless, no matter what. Let's pray. Father in heaven, these kinds of words are way easier to say than to do. I confess that, oh, how easy it is to be a preacher. And hard it is to be a doer of the word. So I pray for myself and I pray for these brothers and sisters here as we come to the climax of this remarkable conference. I pray for every person in this room to believe in Jesus. Really believe. Really trust. Really hold fast. Really embrace. Really receive so that Christ is their all. And then I ask that in that glorious, restful trusting of your sovereign goodness and grace, we would live by faith, adopt by faith, build orphanages by faith, empty orphanages by faith. So make us, God, make us.
a gift to the world, I pray in Jesus' name.